invite you to join me in your Bibles to Pew Bible page 1895, where we find our reading for tonight. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10 through 16. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10 through 16. Starting the reading in verse 1 for context. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct. Born only to be caught and destroyed, and like beasts, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Uh, some time ago in the Huffington Post, there was an article about a, a Zimbabwean pastor. And this Zimbabwean pastor, he had reportedly convinced his congregants his holy pens could make students pass their exams. And the more that you paid for one, the better grades you'd get. Prophet Sham Hongwe of House of Grace International Church. And Harare, Zimbabwe, 
was selling these pens, which cost from $1, I'm guessing if you want to get an F, up to $20 if you want to get an A. According to News 24 Zim, the prophet told his congregation those sitting exams, those taking exams, only needed faith on one of the special pens to pass. He said, they're anointed, and I declare passes when all our children sit for exams. They're said to work for anyone who is sitting for any test, he said. According to Nigerian Watch, one parishioner testified, my son is not very bright, and I think this will help him. With the knowledge he has acquired and this pen from the man of God, I think it's going to work. One student said, he scored highly in his A-levels last year after using the pen he was given by the prophet. He must have paid the $20 for the pen. You know, we might think this is foolish, but this prophet is on to something. We as humans often want to believe something if it benefits us in some way. Oh, a blessed pen that if I buy, I don't have to study for a test, I can just ace it? I wonder what they did. Just sat down for the test and then, Jesus, take the wheel. And this is how the gospel then becomes a product of self-improvement. A product that's peddled, sold. It's very simple. It's like this. Tell me what you want out of life. What is it that you like. And then you say, well, I'd like a brand new Lamborghini painted bumblebee yellow. I'd like a new mansion. And then the false teacher, they go, well, guess what? Jesus can get that for you. So it's not really Jesus that you're getting. It's what Jesus can get for you. Well, the gospel is not a a product of self-improvement. It is the good news of a Savior. So that's our theme tonight. Good thing I'm not British, otherwise I couldn't have fit that, since Savior has a U in England. Yeah. The gospel is not a product of self-improvement. It is the good news of a Savior. We have three points tonight. The pride of false teachers. The pleasures of false teachers. And then the possessiveness. Uh, This is a stretch, but um, I looked up synonyms of greed, and this is one of them, okay? And it goes with the P's, all right? So just let me have that, all right? Because I needed to complete that acrostic. 
All right. The pride of false teachers. This is verses 10 through 12. Now, Peter is warning this congregation that just like there were false prophets among the Old Testament prophets, there are going to be false teachers among the true teachers that uh, are going to crop up amongst you in the church. Wherever there is the true, wherever is, this is the principle, right? Wherever there is the true, Satan is going to create the false. He's going to create the counterfeit. He's going to create the thing that is very much alike the true, very much an allusion to the true, very much using the language of the true, but it's false, okay? Um, so uh, there's many, many examples we could make of this, right? But um, one of them is, is, is the gift uh, of sex, sexual intimacy. God created sex for, for the enjoyment of married couples, right? Um, but Satan, he creates the, the false thing. He says, well, you know, actually, you, you can enjoy it in many other ways besides in marriage. And, and it's actually more enjoyable and more pleasurable if you do it. Well, it's, it's false, right? It's a disruption. It's a counterfeit of the truth. Um, and this is what God, this is what Satan does with, with false teachers. He takes the true and he creates the counterfeit, right? Um, so then Peter wants to go into a, a, a lengthy description of what a false teacher is like, what a false teacher is about, what a false teacher is after, the, 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 uh, the characteristics of a false teacher. He's painting a picture because he wants his readers to be able to, be, to discern what is the true and what is the false, okay? And so he's describing false teachers. Um, he already did some of this description in our, our passage from last Sunday um, when he talked about uh, their greed, right? Uh, that they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Uh, they'll follow, many people will follow them, right? Um, that their judgment, the condemnation is waiting for them. That God is faithful to judge them just like he is faithful to rescue us from their, from their, um, from their teaching. Uh, the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the, the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. And this, this is how Peter begins his, um, his teaching and continuing his description of the false teachers. He said, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh. This is the Greek word sarx. It's the uh, word often used to describe uh, the sinful nature that we have. This is why the NIV um, in this translation often translates it as the sinful nature, right? Um, uh, they, th this is a, a stark characteristic of false teachers is they go after the corrupt desires of the flesh and they don't like authority, They don't like authority. Uh, they despise authority, okay? So um, if you've ever done a study on false teachers, if you've ever done a study on, um, on any of these uh, popular or famous false teachers, one thing that you'll often find about these false teachers is that if they, if they gather a cult following, um, they use their power and they use their, um, their influence... Um, for all kinds of sinful, corrupt behavior. 
A perfect example is Joseph Smith, Mormon Church. Nobody likes to say this. They, the Mormon Church likes to keep this under wraps. But he used his power and his influence uh, to marry many women, some of them quite young. Often there is a sexual element to this control and manipulation. Right? Um, and they despise authority. You're not, you're not going to find... Uh, you're not going to find cults of false teachers um, with a uh, multi-tiered um, co-pastoring model where, you know, they, they have this sort of teamwork model. No, they're the one in control. They're the one on the top because they despise authority. Um, and, and, and so Peter wants to give an example of how they despise authority, how they show their pride, right? Um, and so this is what he does. Bold and arrogant... These men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. Slander celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. Um, this is not as clear as Jude makes it. Um, when uh, he speaks of it in his letter, right? And I'm going to read to you what Jude talks about when he talks about this. Verse 8. In the very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these men speak abusively against whatever they do not understand, and what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoned animals. These are the very things that destroy them. So there was um, a story called The Assumption of the Body of Moses at the time that Peter and Jude were alive. This would have been much like a popular story um, that was passed around. This is not canon. This was not something that was scripture for the Jews. But it was like um, a tabloid or like a story um, that would have been uh, like King Arthur. The King Arthur story is something that we as a culture and society all know together, right? Um, it's something that is shared amongst us. Um, stories that we all have as a collective that we would all recognize. Charles Dickens, The Christmas Story. Uh, all these kinds of things that we recognize, right, together. And we could reference them. I could reference that for you. I could say Ebenezer Scrooge, and you would all know what I'm talking about. You would all have a cultural reference point for what I'm talking about. And this is what Jude is talking about when he's talking about the archangel Michael fighting over the body of Moses. Um, because... You know the story that Moses went up on the mountain when, uh, prior to coming into the promised land and died there. Now, then this story was created to describe or the, to, to um, give a description or give an understanding as to the reason why nobody knows where Moses is buried. 
Um, and the story goes like this. Because God did not want people to turn to idolatry by going to the place where Moses was buried and, and by honoring it and, and bowing down to it and, and making it an idol, um, God brought Moses' body up into heaven, assumed up into heaven. And he sent Michael the archangel to do this. And Michael the archangel fought with Satan about the body of Moses because Satan wants the Israelites to turn to idolatry. And so there's this battle that happened. And Michael the archangel is the, the top angel, and Satan is very much like that as well. He's a, he's a top angel. But Michael the archangel, he does not even stoop to, uh, to speaking low and to uh, abusing and to uh, um, slandering celestial beings when he is speaking to somebody like Satan. He says, the Lord rebuke you. Right? And so what Peter is saying here is these false teachers are so bold and arrogant that they're not afraid to slander celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are strong and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. They're more arrogant and prideful. They're so arrogant and prideful, they're more, uh, they, they don't even show the humility that Michael the archangel shows. All right? That's what Peter is saying here. He's saying that they have no regard for authority. They have no regard for the power of these celestial beings. They'll say whatever they want about them. Um, now, I'm not sure if you would know um, what that would look like or a modern day example of what that would look like, you know? Um, but I used to run in circles that were all about um, this sort of charismatic, emotional experience. Um, and, um, and sometimes I would um, even fall uh, prey to that sort of emotionalism where they tried to get you all worked up emotionally, right? Um, and one time I was in a, a worship experience where this sort of emotional um, uh, chaotic, emotional uh, working up thing was happening. And a lot of times when that happens, um, these prophets or these preachers will say, I see an angel in the corner. They're tall. They're so tall that they're, going, they're outside of this building. I see an angel over here, you know, and basically once they get you into that, that state, you're like, oh yeah, I, I see the angel too. Well, that's slanderous of celestial beings. It is. No, no regard for the power of, of the spiritual realm. You're using it as a sideshow. Okay? So that would be an example of it. But these men blaspheme the matters they do not understand. And this is what they're like. They're like, uh, they're like animals. Animals, they're instinctual. They don't have um, functioning brains like us. Um, they just do what they instinctually are called to do. Um, and animals, they're born only to be caught and destroyed. And like these beasts, these false teachers too will perish. Um, because of their pride, because of their arrogance, 
because they um, have no regard for the power of the spiritual realm, um, it'll be their downfall if they don't repent. If they don't repent. Let's look at point number two, the pleasures of these false teachers. Verse 13 and 14. Now, we've already noted um, that these people, uh, these false teachers, go after the corrupt desires of the flesh. Um, that they are, um, they're, they're very base, like uh, wild beasts. Instinctual. Um, you could say lack of self-control, right? When I think of this, I think that you, you give up your inhibitions. You give up your inhibitions. You, you act instinctually. You act beastly. You're not, you're not human. You're just pursuing whatever um, your sinful nature wants, right? And, 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 and not only are you pursuing whatever your sinful nature wants, not only are you pursuing this sort of very worldly, fleshly desire, right? But you're masking it by making it a religious thing. You're not doing this shamefully in secret so that you're not caught by the church knowing that you're living in sin, knowing that you're doing the things you shouldn't be doing, right? No, rather you're saying this is the religious thing to do. This is the loving thing to do. This is the thing that honors God. That is the blasphemy of false teachers. Verse 13 gives them a warning. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. They'll be paid back with harm for the harm that they've done. Uh, Jesus in his teaching says it like this. It would be better um, for these people who cause little ones to stumble um, than if it were for them to have a millstone tied around them and cast into the water. There will be a reckoning for false teachers. They will not always get away with it. And this is what uh, Peter says. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. Their idea of pleasure is to not do the things that most people would do in the dark, right? You do things that you're not supposed to do in the dark. My dad always used to say something. He said, nothing good happens after midnight. That was our curfew, midnight. Why? Because nothing good happens after midnight. And there's a principle to that. If you're doing something that you feel shameful about in some Respect. If you're doing something that you want to remain hidden or secret, then you do it under the cover 
of darkness. You do it under the cover of darkness. That's why you know a neighborhood is going bad when people start stealing packages off the porch in broad daylight. Because there's no shame. And that's what Peter says we should keep an eye out for these false teachers. One of their characteristics is that they carouse in broad daylight. They do these things with no shame. They do these things out where everyone can see. And Peter is saying this about false teachers who are part of the body of Christ. They are, they are members of the church. How do we know this? Because he says next, they are blots and blemishes reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. While they feast with you. And Paul will talk about this a lot when he's instructing the, the Corinthians um, and their abuse of the Lord's Supper. Some of these Corinthians would come to the church which at that time would have been held in someone's house. And after the, um, the service, there would be what they call a love feast. And this love feast would have been a time of fellowship where they would share in a meal together, and they would break bread and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And they would share a cup, and they would say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. But some of these people would show up, they would get drunk, they'd make a fool of themselves, and they'd eat everything before those who are in need of food, who are less fortunate, could even get some. And you can see sort of a correlation with that to what Peter is talking about here. He's saying that these false teachers that are so full of sinful, corrupt desires that they go after just like an animal in heat, there are blots and blemishes on your love feasts. Their eyes are full of adultery. They never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed. They're an accursed brood. So, these are sort of a list of um, examples of of kinds of sins that they pursue. They're they're seeking eyes full of adultery. They're seeking to to seduce, right, Um, the unstable. People who are new to the faith, people who are new Christians who are not rooted in their convictions um, like others are, they're in this place where they can be influenced, where they can be uh, turned away, where they can be uh, manipulated. They go after these people. These false teachers, they're, 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 like, um, they're, they're like sexual um, criminals, like pedophiles, who know, who can... Who can Figure out who it is that they should groom and manipulate and control. Who it is that they can get into their lives and to to, uh, to, uh, uh, manipulate them and gain power and control over them. These false teachers do the same thing. They see the people who are um, unstable and they go after them. Um, And their eyes are full of adultery. Uh, They they desire to, um, to make others forsake the, the purity of their marriage bed. And finally,
Every time I write possess, and there's two S's and then two S's, when I write that out, it looks so weird. But that's the way it's spelled, possessiveness of false teachers. Peter says false teachers are experts in greed. Experts in greed. Um, in verse 3 of chapter 2, he says, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Like a Zimbabwean pastor who talks about special pens that help you pass tests. And the more you spend on them, the better grades you'll get. Like false teachers who create the new form of indulgences. If you bless this ministry, you'll be healed of your cancer. All your problems will go away. God will bless you double fold. False teachers in their desire for that which is fleshy. They want money, possessions, things. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow Balaam. Now, you should uh, know this story is from the book of Numbers. And as the the, uh, people of Israel were entering into the area in which they were going to then go into the promised land, um, uh, they ran into, they encountered Balak, the, the, the king of Moab. And Balak, the king of Moab, hired Balaam, who was a prophet, to curse the people of Israel. And what happened was that uh, Balaam would take the payment and then God would say, you shall not curse these people. You will bless these people. And then Balaam would open his mouth to curse them because that's what he got hired to do. And what would come out would be a blessing, right? But in literature, in biblical literature, Balaam became associated with the kind of false teacher who takes payment for um, uh, the uh, for 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 um, doing a job like uh, cursing or blessing, um, and, and the reason why his name is associated with that is because um, Balaam took the payment to uh, curse the people of Israel, and the first time, and then a blessing came out. And then the king showed up again and paid him again. And Balaam took the payment and he um, uh, went to curse the people of Israel and gave a blessing instead. And then Balak, the king of Moab, came and paid him again. And Balaam said, okay, even though from the get-go God told him, you shall not curse these people. You see what I'm saying? God told him specifically I will not allow you to curse these people. Yet Balaam had no problem taking three payments from the king of Balak. And the culmination of Balaam's pride and arrogance expressed 
in his greed of taking these payments for his work as a prophet, which, by the way, is not the way think prophecy prophets are supposed to function. Now, you pay me, and I'll give you a prophecy. You know, it's like those card-reading, palm-reading places that you see. Oh, yeah, you know, I'll tell you whatever you want to hear as long as you pay me. No. And so, Balaam becomes associated with this reality of, uh, of loving the wages of wickedness. He was willing to take payment to do the very thing that God had told him he shall not do. And the culmination of his humbling happened when he was rebuked by a donkey. He was rebuked by a donkey. Now, some people look at the Bible and are like, you really believe the Bible? A snake talked in, in the Bible. A man was swallowed by a whale. A donkey talked. And, and, and usually what I tell people is, your problem is not with the Bible. It's with the God of the Bible. Because if you believe, Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then I think that you should be okay if God decides that a snake can talk, a man can be swallowed by a whale, or a donkey can open his mouth and shame a prideful and arrogant, greedy prophet. The point of God opening the mouth of a donkey so that the donkey could speak to Balaam is so that the Balaam would see that he's acting like an animal, and the animal is the one acting like a human. False prophets turn the gospel into a product. They want to tell you that you should buy the gospel too. Because when you purchase the gospel, it makes your life better. And that's how they line their own pockets. That's how they get the sinful desires that they long for. That's how they express their pride and arrogance. By using religious lingo and language. By using the religious desires of human beings, of people, and manipulating them for their own gain. But the gospel is not a product of self-improvement. It is the proclamation that we are sinners, then God sent a Savior, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And that he became poor so that we could become rich in grace, in mercy. The gospel is not a product of self-improvement. It is the good news of a Savior. It is the good news that we believe that the Son of God, through His Spirit and Word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for Himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith 
And of this community, we are and always will be a living member. This is the confidence that we should have, knowing that, yes, even though there are false teachers among us, even though there are false teachers who are filled with pride, who desire to go after the, the sinful pleasures of the flesh, who, who are possessive and greedy, that God has promised us that in Jesus Christ, we will be protected and preserved. That we will remain living members. Uh, that because of Jesus Christ, because we are united to him in true faith, um, that we don't have to worry about being those who are unstable and seduced by false teachers. That we can be on guard, that we can be discerning, that we can see with false teachers, what they're doing, and we can speak out against them. We can name them. We can call them out for who they are. And we can say, you will not manipulate. You will not abuse the sheep. Of Christ's fold. Because we know with confidence that Christ said, My sheep know my voice and they will follow it. You do not listen to me because you are not my sheep. As much as false teachers want to look like sheep, the sheep can see a wolf and know them for who they are. The gospel is not a product for sale. The gospel is the proclamation that we've been saved from our sins in Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us great salvation in Jesus Christ and that this is a free gift. We pray, Lord, that we would be discerning be able to see and test the spirit and know uh, false teaching and false teachers when we see them. They're filled with pride. They're filled with the lust of sinful desires. They're filled with greed. Lord, they're the opposite of what your son Jesus Christ is. All of humility forsaking the sinful pleasures of the flesh so that in true righteousness he could die on the cross for our sins. Not filled with greed, but rather being willing to give up all that he had when all belonged to him that we might have all in him. Lord, may we know uh, the false teachers are basically just antichrists. And that we don't want the counterfeit, we want the real thing. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.